Uh, it's great to be here with you. My name is Nathan Hinkle. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's been a while since I've been up here with you, so I'm excited to um, continue a series that we just started a couple weeks ago. So all summer long, we're looking at the type of person that Jesus says is blessed by God. Okay, what does it take? Who is that person um, that is blessed by God? So we're going through uh, Matthew chapter 5, the very beginning of the chapter 5, where Matthew records Jesus' first public sermon. It's the first sermon that we know about that was recorded by Jesus' followers. All right, but before we jump into that, I want to tell you that throughout this series, which will take us all the way through the end of July, okay, we are giving out uh, coasters. Maybe you've seen one a couple weeks ago. Coasters, um, blessed coasters. Well, they've not been blessed, but you understand, they say blessed on it, all right? I mean, you know, I don't have that, that much power. But um, so, so they're out there. We're, we, we've got two new ones out there today. So not every week will we have a new one, but sometimes we'll throw one out, sometimes two new, two new ones out. So make sure you grab a coaster on your way out, okay? So what we're doing this summer is we're looking at this famous passage in Scripture called, well, we call it the Beatitudes, which is a really funny word. It's a Latin word, which really just means the person who is in a state of blessing or to be in a state of great joy. Beatitude, it's Latin. To be in a state of great joy. And in this sermon that Jesus gives, he sits down on a hillside and a crowd starts to gather. And I want to remind you, in fact, we want to remind you every week of a few things that Jesus is really digging into, all right, so, the, so that you have this umbrella concept throughout this summer. The first one is that the Beatitudes are a statement made by Jesus, all right, that describes his establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth. God's kingdom has begun with Jesus' birth to invade and collide with earth. And so it's not a, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, it's not something that will happen one day when we die and join Jesus for eternity. It is anywhere where Jesus is king. So that's very much now. That's the first thing, is he's describing what it's like to live in the kingdom of heaven here and now and also in eternity. The second thing that you need to know is that the Beatitudes, and you're like, what is this Beatitude? You'll see. All right, I'll, I'll, we'll read through, through some of them here in a minute. All right. This is not a to-do list. Jesus is not prescribing a person who works hard, who's moral enough, who tries to, to, do, to obey all the rules. Uh, he's not describing a person who can finally do enough in life and be the best person they can be so that you can earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. That's not what Jesus is describing. It is not a to-do list. If that were the case, it wouldn't feel like a blessing because that feels like work. That feels like things that I'm not sure of. If that's not a blessing, that's exhausting. And I would imagine that there are people in this room, maybe watching online today, where that has been your experience at church, that's been your experience with Christianity, that's been your experience with faith. It's not a blessing. It's exhausted you. But Jesus, in fact, instead, through the Beatitudes, is offering a description of those whose hearts all right, whose hearts are, are open and postured toward Jesus' kingdom, that you're in, you begin to be in tune with what's happening, what he's doing, all right? And then that person experiences the very most out of Jesus' reign now. That's what he's describing. 
I'm going to read um, for you. I'm just going to read Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 5, okay? Um, that's just the ones we've covered so far. You can keep reading along sometime, um, but I'm just going to read the ones we've covered so far. If you don't have a Bible, we have them out at the hub for you. They're free. We just want to give that to you, so feel free to take one on your way out. But we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 1. This is what Jesus says. Now, well, it starts out this way. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What does meek mean? You don't use that word a lot, do you? I don't. So the Greek word in the New Testament for the word meek is the same word every time. It is sometimes translated meek, sometimes gentle, sometimes poor, okay? But it all means the same thing, and it's always the same word. Now, understand this. Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish people who are, in fact, very poor, right? This is the crowd that's gathered. And, and this group of people have been living under Roman occupation for years. Oppression. You couldn't walk down the street or out of the city to go see a relative without passing by a Roman checkpoint. You could not avoid the high Roman taxes that ripped you off and left you destitute. In fact, a Roman soldier had the right to pick you up out of the street as you're on your way to school, wherever, on your way to work, and say, here, carry my pack. You have to go with me one mile, and you had to do it. So these people had been living under a regime that oppressed them for generations, Roman occupation. Not to mention, every Jewish man and woman were waiting, okay? They were waiting for the person who would free them, the king, the Messiah. There was a promised, prophesied savior of the Jews who would come kick out the Roman occupiers so that Israel could reclaim the land that they thought was rightfully theirs. Here's our big idea for today. You are blessed when you yield. You are blessed when you yield. So when Jesus says what he says, blessed are the meek, Jesus' statement would have frustrated his Jewish audience. It would have perplexed them. We're like, wait a minute, meek? Like, there's a kingdom coming. There's a Messiah coming that's going to kick out the occupiers, and we're going to reclaim Israel. And you say, blessed are meek? It's, it's perplexing. Blessed are the humble, blessed are the poor, blessed are the gentle. At the heart of every Jewish man and woman was a fundamental question. It was a heart question. And it was, when this kingdom comes, all right, when this kingdom arrives, when the king comes, will I have what it takes to enter into the new kingdom, to be a part of it? And I'm telling you, church, right now, guys, that is a fundamental human question that you ask every day, and so do I. Do I have what it takes? It is a primal heart question on every single heart in this room today. Do you have what it takes? Do you have what it takes? If I could just find this right friend group, or if I could just get on that team, 
then I'll feel successful and I know that I have what it takes. Right? If I could just cut it in this career path, if I could just stockpile enough money for my retirement and my savings account, then I'll know that I have what it takes. Right? If I could just manipulate this relationship or this marriage, or, or if, these, if I could just raise these kids to, to be good, productive citizens, if I can just have the, the perfect family or, or near-perfect family, then I'll know that I've been successful. Then I'll know that I have what it takes to get through this life. Am, am I good enough in faith? Have I done enough? Have I done enough religion in order to make me okay to get in? And we take, you, you and I take our primal heart question, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? And you and I take that question and we put it on our spouses, we put it on dating relationships, we put it on our kids, we put it on our careers, we put it on our bank accounts, people and places who are never intended to answer such a deep heart question. But we take it to them. And Jesus says, great joy are the ones who are meek. The meek, really? This is what Jesus' audience should be saying. It actually should be what you're saying too. The meek, really? The lowly, the humble, the poor, the pushovers, the weak ones, they're the ones who win, they're the ones who are successful. Jesus, you've gotta be out of your mind. And then Jesus says to them, See, I'm going to answer your heart question. I'm going to give you an answer. And it's not going to be the answer that you thought because you need a paradigm shift for how you see what success looks like. And that's where he jumps into his message. So I'm going to, I want you to understand a few things about meekness today, all right? And here's the first one, all right? So if you're taking notes, write this down because I don't want you to miss this. Meekness isn't weakness. I know they rhyme and it sounds really cool and maybe that's just God's way of having the English language jar something for us, but meekness isn't weakness. I remember when I was in middle school and high school, well specifically middle school, I could not do one pull-up, right? Not one. Do you remember the, like the, 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 the tests that you, that you had that humiliated every middle school and high school for years, right? Um, that reminded, it reminded me all the time that I was weak and I was really pathetic because I could not do a, a pull-up. In fact, not only could I not do a pull-up, like to save my life, I was weak, I was shy, I was like the wallflower type, I was like super just, just like, in, you know, introverted, like that was me in middle school and high school. But I will say, out of all the girls in my gym class, I beat every single one of them in the sit and reach, all right? <laughs> I kid you not, I could not do one pull-up, but I was really flexible, all right? So, so there was something. So I was really weak, all right? And I'd still say I still beat them all in the sit and reach. That's my claim to fame. Talawanda High School probably still has that plaque up on the wall somewhere. <laughs> Or they should. Okay, they should. You see, we see um, meekness as weakness. We immediately take that word and we say meekness is weakness. It's mild-mannered. How, how, would you, how do you describe it, right? How do you define it? Meek is, is mild-mannered. You're a pushover. You've got a weak personality. You're not courageous. And let's face it, meekness is not a character trait that, that you really hold in high esteem or really that you want to, you want to put on, have anybody put on you. In fact, we actually love to elevate the opposite in our culture, don't we? That's what makes movies so great. You admire the brave, right? 
the strong, the winner, the powerful. Like, that's what drives us. That's actually who we want to be. I, I, I will never forget, uh, I think it was 2000, the movie Gladiator, which I think they're making a stupid sequel, which will be dumb. But you remember Gladiator, Russell Crowe? Like, if, you're, if, you, if you've seen it, one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies. And, 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 and there's these battle scenes, and before they're prepping for battle, he always goes up to his generals, right? And there's this say, strength and honor. Strength and honor. And like, oh man, strength and honor. I love that, right? And in fact, um, the Roman... Um, culture had things that they called virtues. They were virtues that drove the Roman Republic. Every man, every woman, every child were taught these virtues because they mattered. They made up who you were as a person. And these virtues drove Roman society and how they also interacted socially with other people. Virtues like constantia, all right, which just means endurance, perseverance, and, and, and having the guts to push through. Strength and honor, right? Virtues such as pietas, which was a, a strong dedication to country, to your home, to the gods. Pietas, right? Purity. You can't look at Ro any Roman art and see that they didn't admire as a virtue the purity of the human body, the strength of the human form. You can look at their sculptures and see that was an obsession and a virtue to them. All right, disciplina, which sounds like discipline, and it is. The Roman virtue of, of self-control, power over oneself. And then finally, another one, honestos. And the honestos kind of was, it was the umbrella in which all Roman virtues came underneath, and that was to protect reputation of Rome and your family, pride. You see, that strength and honor, that's what made Rome know that they were winners, and in fact, the Jewish zealots, who were the group of Jews that practiced mm, guerrilla warfare terrorist-style attacks on Rome, they were the ones that felt the same way. Protect the mother country, fight for justice, strength, and honor. Every Jewish man and woman who heard Jesus say, a great state of joy you will be in, those of you who are meek. Every single person who heard that, they knew what it meant to be a winner, so they thought, and they knew what it meant to lose. And Jesus wasn't prescribing something that made sense. But Jesus sits down on a hillside one day, and he says, if you want to know what it's like to have your heart and your eyes open to what my father's doing, then you need a paradigm shift on how you define success and winning and answering the primal question of your heart. So, meekness isn't weakness, all right? So, praus, the Greek word praus for meekness, actually was a word used in taming a wild horse and a wild animal. Isn't it interesting, isn't it? So, if you picture meekness, what, 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 where it came from was you have this horse that is being brought in and, and, and it's bucking and it's wild and, it, and, and it's, it's, it's up in the air and it can't be ridden. But at some point, that horse is going to come under submission and it's going to do whatever the rider needs to have him do. And that's the essence of the word prowse meekness. It submits its power to the needs of the writer. 
Now you see, meekness, this is where we start peeling back a big layer. Meekness is an attitude of the heart where the person decides to submit something of their own power for the desire of someone else. Okay, you're starting to catch on. That's meekness. You're blessed when you yield, Jesus says, in other words. Meekness isn't weakness, but let's put it this way too. Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is strength under control. There's a book called Crucial Conversations, and in it, the authors talk about every human instinct, all right, in any kind of interaction, is to react to the fight or flight mentality, right, situation, right? You've heard that, fight or flight. You, you heard that in elementary school, right? Your human condition and my human condition is to respond immediately. Chemicals are released. The part of your brain is stimulated. I have to react emotionally. I have to react physically. I've got to move quickly, fight or flight. Every human interaction requires that, right? But what these authors also talk about is there's another part of your brain that is stimulated. If we pause, if we wait, all right? If we pause, another area of your brain is stimulated that causes you to think for a minute, all right? That causes you to, to run through scenarios in your head of the best way to respond here. It causes you to trust a different part of your brain and analyze potential outcomes. If you just wait, strength under control. So I can certainly have the right, that I, if I want to, to tear down my children and yell at them. And Denise and I often talk about some of our regrets of things when we are really angry sometimes, you know, that we just said in front of or to our kids. I can do that. I can ridicule my boss behind his back. Well, I kind of am the boss here, but, <laughs> but we do have elders that I can ridicule behind their backs, okay? You can ridicule, ridicule your boss behind his back, all right? You may feel warranted to fly off the handle at coworkers, and maybe they deserve it, and you can do that. You have the right to do that. You can. You have the power to. You can turn a cold shoulder to your husband or to your wife. You can send a hurtful text and a hurtful email, one that was not thought through well. But you see, church, guys, like, that's easy stuff. I mean, that takes no strength at all. That's easy to do that stuff. See, we fall into the trap that says life is all about you and I just grabbing for power. In fact, you spend, and I do, a lot of our time and money and energy grabbing power for ourselves, right? You focus on yourself. You focus on what's good for you. You focus on your needs. In fact, and you do this, subconsciously we do this, don't we? You kind of internalize every um, relationship, every decision, every interaction, every circumstance. Who do you think of first? How does this serve me? How does this lift me up? What does it do for me? We, we, we self-promote at work. We self-promote on the ball field. We self-promote on social media. It really is about me, isn't it? Always trying to prove something that you're good enough, 
that you're pretty enough, that you're smart enough, that you're strong enough, that you're wealthy enough, that you've got what it takes. People have been asking it for centuries. And then on the other side, you actually have humility that is often self-centric and not actually humble at all. Do you know people who pretend to be humble but really just want all the attention? Do you know people? Do you do that? It's why a lot of us really actually kind of feel empowered by always playing the victim. Is that you? Woe is me. Oh, it hurts. Oh, that, that was painful. You know, they said something hurtful. And you kind of just wait for someone to say, oh, well, what's wrong? How, how'd they hurt you? And you just want that attention. Human humility is one of the reasons why so many of us can justify walking away from a confrontation, walking away from the hard thing. Say, well, I just don't want to cause anything. No, you're hiding. You're avoiding. It's all about self-preservation of Nathan when I walk away, isn't it? See, that's not meekness. Meekness isn't thinking less of yourself, and meekness certainly isn't thinking more of yourself. And what prouse, meek, the word Jesus used does is it brings you to a place of balance. It's a balance between the po your power. Listen, it's a balance between your power and, and your desire and maybe your right to do something and the balance between that and waiting and trusting a good heavenly father. You're blessed when you yield. Here's another thing is meekness always surrenders to Jesus. And here, we're going to get at the heart of it here. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29, listen to what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The only place in Scripture where Jesus describes his own heart. And what does he say about his heart? It's meek. Jesus says, listen, <laughs> I, know, I know the pain you carry. I know the worry that you carry. I know the regret. I know you've taken that primal question and you've put it on your friend group. I know you've taken that primal question of do you have what it takes and you put it on your boyfriend or your wife. I know, I know your pain. I know what you deal with. And this is Jesus' invitation. Give it to me. I'll take it. And then walk with me. I'll take that from you. Give it to me. And I'll give you, and I'll give you me and walk with me. See, meekness is an invitation to Jesus' own heart. And you have to see that. I need you to understand that. Meekness is an invitation for you to take on Jesus' heart, to learn from him. And that's what yielding means, isn't it? That's where you yield. You yield in your desires, in your power, your rights, your right to act, your right to say it, your right to do it, and you yield with patience and trust in God. 
and you will be somebody that is blessed. Real biblical meekness is free from self-promotion. It's free from ego. It's free from having to always be the first in line. Free from being self-conscious. From being a coward. See, real biblical meekness actually awakens strength in you. And when you surrender your life to Jesus, moment by moment, decision by decision, you are liberated from always having to concentrate on yourself. And aren't you exhausted from doing that? Lastly and quickly, here's, here's the last thing I see about meekness, is meekness comes with a promise. So Jesus says, blessed, blessed are, the, are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, what the heck does that mean? It meant, it meant a ton to his Jewish audience. It harkens back, all the way back into the Jewish Old Testament, where God brought the people out of slavery in Egypt into the land of Canaan. And he said, here is your blessing. Here is your land. Here is your rest. Follow me, and I will give you the blessing of this land. In fact, it can be translated that way. You will inherit the land. Not necessarily just the earth, but you will inherit the land. And so Jesus' audience must be very confused when he says the meek inherit. Like, wait a minute, Jesus. You're saying that, that we'll get the land, we'll get the power, we'll get the promise, we'll get the blessing, but we're going to get it by trust and patience and humility and surrender because that doesn't fit my paradigm. And Jesus said, Exactly. See, we think the rest, Jesus says you, you'll find rest in him. You'll find rest for your souls. See, we think we'll find rest on the other side of self-promotion and land grabbing and power plays. And all we do for our own hearts and for the hearts of our children is we heap on stress and anxiety and we wear ourselves out, don't we? Because the rest is always on the other side of the success. Are you tired this morning? It's exhausting having to be concerned with yourself so much. And church, I'm going to tell you this. We will not ever find rest until we find the meekness of Jesus. Until you surrender to the meekness of Jesus. Jesus is in the garden, and he's praying to God just hours before his execution, do you remember what Jesus prays? He says, God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. I want what you want. And then he goes to the cross and he dies for you and me a few hours later. Do you remember what Peter did in the garden as they're coming to arrest Jesus? Peter takes out a sword. Fight or flight, baby. He's ready. The emotion kicks in, the adrenaline, and Peter just without thinking, without pausing, takes the sword and he's going to battle. Do you remember what you did in the garden? When Adam and Eve in the very first garden, had two options. One, to chase after the win and the success that God promised them, or one, to chase after the win or the success on their own doing. Eat, the, eat of the tree or don't. And they did. You see, this lack of meekness is the sin sickness of all sin. It's pride. You know better than God. And it's been running your life ever since. 
and it's a sin sickness that's infiltrated all of humanity. See, Jesus says, you will inherit the earth. Do you know how you get an inheritance? A little morbid. You don't earn it. You don't deserve an inheritance. Somebody you're related to who loves you left you something, right? They just gifted it to you. You can't, an, you can't earn an inheritance. It's a gift. If you surrender to Jesus, you are a son and a daughter deeply loved by a really good father in heaven. And you are a citizen of a new kingdom. That's your gift. That's your inheritance. And you don't have to wait till you die to get it. It's here and it's now. And it's yours. And it's mine. <laughs> After communion, you're going to have an opportunity to come forward and we would love to pray with you. And if there's anything we can be praying for you about, if, you wanna, if you're considering, like, I, mean, I, I want that. I want to surrender. And you want to talk about baptism? We can talk about that. But listen to me. Listen to me, all right? Jesus showed us what strength under control looks like. Do you know what made, where Jesus showed his strength under control? Do you know where he showed it? Man, Jesus, Jesus was, was meek and, and submissive, but then he was meek and strong when anybody came in between God's people and grace. Jesus showed strength under control until somebody said that God isn't enough that grace isn't enough. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. And then Jesus starts flipping over tables. Right? Strength under control. You can't have humility without fearlessness, and you cannot have fearlessness without humility. Jesus, enormous power submitted to the needs of someone else. Jesus died because you needed him to. Jesus died because you needed him to. And you're blessed when you yield to him. And all worry begins to erode. All self-consciousness begins to erode. And you can reject judgmentalism. You can resist entitlements. You can receive joy. Because you've got a gift that you didn't deserve and it was given to you freely. Rest in him. And let everything else melt away today. Learn from him. And it's just going to be you and him. Just you and him. Learning from Jesus and finding rest there. Pray with me, Jesus. Thank you for your meek heart. It's your heart that saves us and changes us. That gift is beyond my words, Father, to express in worship or thanks. I love you. Amen.